There are two readings this morning. <clears throat> First one is on, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, found on page 1003 in the Church Bibles. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go elsewhere to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And the second reading is from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, be found on page 970. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to, see, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Don. The title for today is Silence and Solitude. And the, the text that I want to really focus on is in, from that Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. When you pray, go to your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, go to your room and close the door. We live in a world of distraction. We live in a world where closing the door, finding time and place free from distraction is increasingly challenging. 
I recently read a book uh, by the philosopher Matthew Crawford called The World Beyond Your Head, How to Flourish in an Age of Distraction. And he, he starts off at the early part of the book. He describes how the media have become masters at packaging stimuli that in ways that our brains find irresistible, rather like the food industry has, has worked out ways of combining sugars and fats and salts and so on that, uh, and producing foods that we just love. And the, the, in a sense, he's, he's drawing a comparison between that. In ways perhaps that we don't even realize that this is, this is happening. And he suggests that the consequence of that is that we're uh, losing our ability to concentrate, and perhaps this is especially true, true of a new generation, that we're losing our ability to concentrate on things that are not immediately engaging and stimulating. I think somehow that rings true. And he explores the impact of that on all of us uh, and on our culture. It is indeed an age of distraction. I attended uh, an IT conference recently for an education IT conference. And the, the main topic of the conference was uh, artificial intelligence and how that will, it is anticipated, transform the world of teaching and education in the next uh, decade or two. And all the speakers were in broad agreement that the next 10, 15 years will bring about even greater changes than the changes that we've seen in the first 18 years of this new century. What was in, in, quite incre uh, intriguing to me was the way that the keynote speaker started his address. He stood up and he said, I'd like you all to, be, to close your eyes. I would like you to become conscious of your breathing, uh, enter into the present, consciously relax and slow down. And then he said, we'll have two minutes silence now. I thought, strange, because this, this sort of resonates with the way we might start a, a service when we're just trying to shut out not exactly the same, but in, in, intriguing similarities. Of course, those of you who may have been in any way engaged with mindfulness will recognize it. He's a mindfulness practitioner. But then this, this is what he, how he started his address. He said, you and your, the children in your schools need this skill now, but they're going to need it even more in the next 10 or 20 years. And if only a small proportion of the predictions that he was making come true, I could see exactly what he meant. Closing the door and shutting out distraction is increasingly difficult in a technological age, the age in which we're always connected. But time and time again in Jesus' ministry, he sought out a place free from distraction, of course, always in order to pray. He found ways and means of closing the door. And the passage we had read from Mark was a, just an example of that. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, 
left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. An intentional, intentional decision to close the door. And another very familiar occasion in the Gospels, after feeding the multitude, he went up, it says he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And Luke tells us this, that he says, Luke says, many crowds would gather to hear Jesus and to be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. So time and time again, Jesus closed the door in order to pray. So what's really going on in Jesus' prayer and his life of prayer? It is fascinating to read the Gospels with this, you know, kind of taking note of Jesus' own prayer life, how he relates to God, how he relates to the Holy Spirit. What does prayer look like within the life of the Trinity? One of the obvious insights is the way he addresses God continually as Father. And at Jesus' baptism, God addresses him as son. You are my son, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. And that address from God is directly to Jesus. It's not to the onlookers, it's directly to him. You're my son, and I'm well pleased. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus the Holy Spirit that unites the Father and the Son. This loving relationship that's painted for us throughout the Gospels of Father and Son in and through the Holy Spirit. Luke goes on to tell us a little bit later. He said, at that time, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. So throughout the Gospels, we're giving these amazing insights into the life of the Trinity, Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. And the love, the joy, the intimacy, and yet it is a father-son relationship. When Jesus calls God Father, he's not sort of addressing him as a, as a title. It is before God an attitude, a position, a posture in relation to God. And the relationship through prayer and through the Holy Spirit is ongoing. His continual prayer enables him to continually be the Son. And it is Jesus' prayer through the Holy Spirit that feeds his relationship with the Father and hence his ministry. Jesus says in John's Gospel, very, um, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. Isn't that quite a remarkable passage? Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees His Father doing, because whatever the Father does, 
the Son also does. And the Gospels continually reveal, and the implication is that he is enabled and empowered to do that through prayer. So why uh, this kind of excursion into the life of the Trinity and the life of Jesus, prayer, and in particular that father-son relationship? This is the bit that is truly astonishing when you really pause to think of it. Back to the verse, Jesus instructs us to go into our room, close the door, and pray to your Father. And then in the next verse, having told us not to babble, <laughs> he invites us to pray with him, our Father. And this quite resonated how Ian has led our prayers today with that prayer. He invites us to join him and say, our Father. Let's try and really grasp this. Jesus God's Son is saying to you and to me, let's carve out time and space to pray and to pray with me, our Father. How truly astonishing. This is not merely an instruction to go away and pray and copy my prayer even though that is actually a very good thing to do. It's so much more than that. Jesus is not just inviting us to pray it as he does. He's inviting us to pray it with him. Our Father. This is first and foremost Jesus' own prayer into which we're invited to join him. This is how Jesus prays later in John's, <coughs> excuse me, later in John's gospel. Jesus prays this prayer. My prayer is not for them, that is the disciples alone, not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe through their message, that is us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I have given them the glory that you give me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and they in me. I in them and they in me. Just as you are in me, and I am in you. Forgive me for using an illustration that I just mentioned in passing two weeks ago, but it has been so meaningful to me in the last few months, and I just want to repeat it and elaborate on it a little bit. We've all at one time or another enjoyed the privilege of being away from home and invited into a family home. We've sat around a meal table 
And we haven't just sat around a table where each individual is eating and enjoying food, but we've engaged into, we've been drawn into the life of that family, into the joy, the celebration, the love of the family. We get to share in it, not as a participant, but we're drawn in and invited in as a member of the family, as an equal. And we, we just feel and love the love and the joy of it. Some of the time we talk, and as we talk we know we're being listened to, and sometimes we're just silent, just taking it in. Get this. When Jesus invites us to pray, Our Father, He's inviting us to the table of the Trinity. It's hard to take in, isn't it? We are being invited by Jesus. And keep that image, that picture in your mind. We're being invited by Jesus along with Him to that table. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the gift of the risen Christ. This is the result of Jesus' death and resurrection, to call Jesus' Father our Father. What a gift. So when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what's the reward? It doesn't actually tell us, but we can speculate. We're invited to speculate. I wonder if the reward is that we get to experience in doing so, we just get a glimpse of the life of the Trinity. Something of the joy and love expressed between Father and Son. What it means when Jesus said that I'm in them and they are in me, that I'm drawn into that. Yes, sometimes around that table we speak and at other times we're silent. You see, saying prayers is good and saying prayers might lead us on to praying, which is different. But actually, in the end, praying may lead us to a place of loving, trusting silence in the presence of God. Let me say this. When it comes to the life, this life of prayer, I, the image that is in my mind of my own experience is of a toddler holding onto their father's hands and taking the first wobbly steps. That's where I feel I am. Maybe that's what, what Paul th thought of him, his own experience, when he said this. For now we see only a, a reflection as in a mirror. 
then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Maybe the reward that we get when we close the door is that we just get a glimpse of this. We get a glimpse of what is to come. But let's remember we're not invited by Jesus to this table out of merit. Jesus does not take our hand and invite us to that table because we've impressed him. Jesus' instruction to close the door reminded me of another occasion when the disciples after Jesus' resurrection were behind a closed and locked door and they were fearful. And Jesus appeared to them and you'll remember he said, peace be with you. What did he do next? He showed them his hands and his feet. The hand that reaches out to us and invites us to the table of the Trinity invites us to say with me, our Father has got a nail print in it. When you pray, go to your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen and your Father who knows what is done in secret will reward you. What an offer. But God doesn't force us into that room. We have to take the initiative. Two weeks ago, I admitted to you that I had started to run a bit. <laughs> and the strange thing is, despite the fact that in recent months there hasn't been a lot of free time in my life, um, I've found time to spend to run a couple of times a week. Isn't it amazing how you can find time to do something that you really want to do? I've managed to carve out some time. Jesus invites us to use our imagination to spend time with him in the drawing into the presence of the Trinity. What an offer. I don't, what I don't want us to take away from this is a feeling, oh my, I have failed. I'm, just, I'm not good enough. I, you know, I spend so little time, how, how pathetic I am. I want us to catch a glimpse of what Jesus is offering us. To say, to, to go into that room and shut the door. Do you know the room that he speaks of is an inner room that hasn't even got windows? The actual word is, is, is a, the inner storeroom that would have been in a Middle Eastern house. Where you, you, it's the only room in the house that was lockable. That's the word that he uses. This isn't about finding some beautiful environment where we can have pleasant thoughts and soak in the, the scene. This is about us and God. Go into your room and close the door.
was going to say one or two other things, but I think I'll just stop there. Shall we, do we just pause for a moment? If you find that image of enjoying the love and joy and welcome of a loving family helpful, then just linger with it. And the hand that stretches out to invite us to pray with him has got a nail print in it. That was what it cost. Have you ever gone behind the closed door and wondered, is, is God actually here? Does he hear me? God wrote to a church, and we've got the letter in the book of Revelation, to a church where the, his community was failing badly. And this is what God said to them. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He's standing at the door. May God help us to carve out the time to spend with him and grasp just the scale of what we've been in, the, the, the scale of the invitation to pray with him, our Father.